Yo, what is going on, Cover 7 family? Welcome back to another episode here on the Cover 7 with Mason Pierce podcast. And guys, in today's episode, we are going to be previewing all of the incredible action that we have for college football week 10. Now, this week, we have some really big matchups. We have arguably what a lot of people are claiming to be the matchup of the century as we have number three, Tennessee, taking on number number one, Georgia. I'm going to be using AP polls for the most part in this episode just due to the fact that the college football playoff rankings, they don't come out till Tuesday. So bear with me if a few of the rankings change, but just know that is going to be one heck of a matchup down there in Athens. And then we have so much more. And like I said, we'll get into that a little bit later on. But guys, thank you so much for all the support that y'all have been showing here on the Cover 7 podcast. Whether it's on social media, on Instagram and TikTok, liking and commenting on there, or it's just listening to the podcast, taking time out of your day right before you go into work, getting your little fix of college football or NFL, and just overall being the amazing supporters y'all are. So thank y'all so much for all that y'all do. And guys, like we always do say here on the Cover 7 Podcast, I do not want to waste y'all's time, so let's get right into today's episode. And guys, in this week, this will be the first week of the year that Maction finally returns. In case you don't know what that is, the, the Mac. They play a lot of early week games, so Tuesday and Wednesday, they finally return, and this is the best time of the year because I think we have like 27-some-odd days of just straight football, whether it's NFL or college football, so this arguably is what a lot of us college football nerds like to say, the best time of the year, and then to kick it all off on Tuesday, so college football uh, week 10, it actually does kick off on uh, on a Tuesday at 6 p.m. Central Time on ESPNU, we have the Ball State Cardinals taking on the Kent State Golden Flashes. And I'd be lying to you if I said I really knew too, too much about either of these teams. But from what I've seen and just the fact that Kent State is favored in this game, me personally, I'm going to take Kent State in this game over Ball State. And then, guys, for the final game that we do have on Tuesday at 6.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN2, we have the Buffalo Bulls taking on the Ohio Bobcats. Now, Buffalo, I like their defense. Their offense has actually been pretty well. They're 4-0 in MAC play and conference play. Ohio's 3-1, so this should be a really good game. But I like the I like Buffalo personally just due to the fact that they have produced a ton of talent. Guys like Khalil Mack, Jarrett Patterson, just so many really good players. So give me Buffalo in this game over the Ohio Bobcats. Now, guys, that'll wrap up Tuesday. So now let's get over to our second day of Maction and the second day of Week 10. And this will still be another Maction Pack day as at 6 p.m. Central Time on Wednesday on ESPNU, we have the Central Michigan Chippewas taking on the Northern Illinois Huskies. And I know both of these teams are really struggling. Both currently sit at 2-6. and six, But Northern Illinois, led by former Michigan State quarterback Rocky Lombardi, I think, honestly, they'll have more of an edge in the fact that it'll be played at home, too. I like Northern Illinois in this game. So give me the Huskies over the Central Michigan Chippewas. And then for our final game on Wednesday at 6 p.m. Central Time on ESPN2, we have the Western Michigan Broncos taking on the Bowling Green Falcons. And once again, I don't know too, too much about these games, so I, I apologize if I'm not giving y'all a lot of in-depth analysis, stats, and everything like that. But from what I've seen and what I've heard, Bowling Green, they do have a pretty good defense. They currently sit at 3-1 and one in the MAC, and I think having you know playing at home too is going to be a big factor. So give me the Bowling Green Falcons over the Western Michigan Broncos. And then, guys, that'll wrap up our second day already of college football. So, I mean, literally, we have a jam-packed week of college football. So now let's get over to uh, 
Thursday as we actually do have a really interesting game in the Sun Belt, and we'll talk about that here in a sec. But the first day, the first game to kick off Thursday at 6 p.m. Central Time on CBS Sports Network, we had the UTEP Miners taking on the Rice Owls, and well for UTEP. They kind of had a shocking win early on in the year when they blew out uh, Boise State at home. I remember watching that game a little bit, and I was kind of surprised. You know, they do have an okay defense, and then for Rice, you know, they're just Rice. I mean, there's nothing crazy about them. They are 4-4 four and four and 2-2 two and two in conference play, so this should be a really evenly matched matchup. But I'm going to take UTEP in this game. I just don't really know too much about Rice, and but what I've seen from uh, UTEP, they are able to get things going on offense. So give me the UTEP Miners over Rice. And then for that Sun Belt game that I was talking about, and this is going to be a really big matchup in the Sun Belt, at 6.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN, we have the Appalachian State Mountaineers traveling out to Conway, South Carolina to take on the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. And, man, this is going to be a great matchup. Grayson McCall and Coastal Carolina, you know, despite losing to James Madison a few weeks ago, they still have been really good this year as they currently sit at 7-1. and one. And then for Appalachian State, you know, after a really close loss to North Carolina Week 1, beating Texas A&M Week 2, they've kind of fallen off a little bit, so to speak. You know, struggled a lot against Troy. They did win on that miracle Hail Mary. And then they've lost a few games that they definitely should have won, so... I mean, this will be a great offensive matchup. If you like offense, expect a ton in this game due to the fact that both have really good veteran quarterbacks. Obviously, Coastal Carolina with Grayson McCall and then uh, Appalachian State with the former Clemson and Duke quarterback, Chase Bryce. But in this game personally, and I know Appalachian State is favored. I understand why. You know, they've played a lot more tough schedule because two of their losses are to Power 5 opponents. But... I just like Coastal Carolina. I like their offense. Having a guy like Grayson McCall, who's been really solid during his time at Coastal Carolina, it's going to be hard, definitely, for that App State defense to keep up with him and their offense. So, And also, I kind of forgot to mention this, too. Appalachian State, they do have a decent run game as well, so that'll be something to monitor, too. But just in my opinion, at least, I think Coastal Carolina, they'll get the W at home, considering they'll be playing at Brooks Stadium. It's just... I don't see Appalachian State winning this game. I mean, it'll be close. It'll be a close game. You know, definitely if both teams are able to run the ball well, you know, it would definitely be close. But give me Coastal Carolina over the Appalachian State Mountaineers to wrap up Thursday night football. So, yeah, guys, let me know what y'all's personal favorite game is that y'all are looking forward to during this literal middle of the week slate of games. Like I said, mine's probably got to be that Coastal Carolina and App State game just due to the fact that both teams – are really solid. They're they got a lot of veteran presence, and it should just overall be a really good football game. So, but anyway, guys, now let's get over to Friday Night Lights College Football Edition, and to kick it all off at 6 p.m. Central Time on CBS Sports Network, we have the just one and seven UMass, uh, I think Minutemen, taking on the four and five uh, Connecticut or UConn uh, Huskies. So, and for UConn. I, they're going to blow UMass out of the water, and it's kind of funny saying that because UConn, they normally struggle. But last week, they actually upset Boston College, who was supposed to be an amazing team in the ACC this year. And, you know, UConn, they're also going to be playing at home as well. So I just like UConn by a ton against a really, just really bad UMass team. So give me UConn over the Minutemen of UMass. So anyway, guys, the next game that we have and two and one out of the two Power 5 matchups that we do have here on Friday at 6 p.m. Central Time on ESPN2. We have the Duke Blue Devils taking on the Boston College uh, Eagles. This will be played up at Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts, so it will be a home game for the Eagles. But, man, like I just mentioned with UConn, Boston College got beat by a not-that-good UConn team. I mean, they're not horrible. They're not as bad as they've been in past years, but... 
This is a game talent-wise that Boston College they should have been able to beat UConn. And the fact, and the fact of the matter is, they were not able to put up any type of points. I think they only put up like three or seven points against UConn. That is definitely worrisome, and now they're going up against a really solid Duke team under Mike Elko, who they hired from Texas A&M, who's now the head coach for the Blue Devils. I mean, just this team has been really solid. I like their offense. I like their defense. It's overall very well-rounded. I mean, they might be 5-3, and three, but definitely they are a really solid team. So give me the Duke Blue Devils over the Boston College Eagles to kick off Power 5 play for Week 10. And then the final game of the night, and this is probably going to be, in my opinion, one of the better games of the weekend as well. At 9.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN2, we have the 24th-ranked Oregon State Beavers. So Oregon State, they jump back into the top 25. They're taking on the unranked Washington Huskies. And, well, for Oregon State, you made it back into the top 25. You've been really dominant these past few weeks, you know, playing against uh, – playing against teams like Colorado, Washington State, Stanford, but their past three games have been decently close. I mean, they blew out Colorado, but Washington State and Stanford, they only beat them by, well, Washington State, they beat them by more than one possession, but for Stanford, they struggled a little bit, so it'll be interesting to see how they go up against a really strong offense in Washington, obviously led by former Indiana quarterback Michael Penix Jr., so, and in my opinion, really, I think Washington, they're still a really good team. I know they lost, you know, they lost to UCLA. They also lost to, let me check real quick in their schedule. I remember the UCLA lost. Okay, they also lost to Arizona State, which that game I feel is just a fluke. But outside of that, this Washington team is still really good. And the fact that it's going to be played at Husky Stadium up there in Seattle, I just think that environment is going to really help Washington get a upset win over the Beavers. So give me Washington State over the Oregon State Beavers as we'll have our first upset of the weekend. Nothing against Oregon State, but I do think that that environment up there in Seattle is just unmatched. And I don't think they'll be able to pull out a win against Michael Penix and it's really good Washington Huskies offense. So, But anyway, guys, that's it for our Friday, Thursday, Wednesday, Tuesday slated games. So now we're going to kick off our biggest day of college football, college football Saturday. And boy, oh boy, do we have some pretty good matchups. And to kick it all off, we have an, a really underrated matchup. And this game will be at 11 a.m. Central Time on Fox as we have the Texas Tech Red Raiders who are coming off a just miserable week last week. They brought three quarterbacks into their game against Baylor. Each one of them threw at least one pick. Byron Morton, he threw three. Taylor Shug, the former Oregon quarterback, he threw one. And then... um can't forget that other dude's name. I always talk about how he's a turnover machine, but I can't think of his name. He threw an interception as well, literally, when he came in for one play. So Texas Tech, they're kind of struggling right now offensively as they got blown out last week you know, against Baylor at home. So now they're going to travel to Fort Worth as they take on the seventh-ranked TCU Horned Frogs, whose defense got kind of exposed last week against West Virginia and the run game, which West Virginia, you wouldn't really think having guys like JT Daniels, Bryce Ford Wheaton, you know, you'd think they'd be more of a passing team, but their run game is really underrated. And when I tell you they ran the ball all over that Horn Frogs defense, I mean, they ran over them completely, despite not even having Tony Mathis, who was their starting running back in this game. West Virginia had a really good day offensively. They kind of choked towards the end with JT Daniels just making a couple bonehead passes. But overall, you know, TCU kind of got exposed in some aspects. But the offense, which 
is just still incredible, obviously led by one of the best running backs in all of the country, Kendra Miller, who had a dominant day against the uh, against the West Virginia Mountaineers. Quentin Johnston, who was a little bit banged up in this game. He had a little ankle injury. He actually balled out as well. And just overall, Max Duggan, who is one of the toughest sons of guns you'll meet in all of college football, he also played really well despite throwing one interception towards the end of the game. And nothing against Texas Tech, but... <clears throat> If they don't get their quarterback situation uh, fi you know, fi figured out, Byron Morton continues to make as many mistakes as he did against Baylor, who kind of has a similar secondary to TCU. I just think TCU, they should be able to win this game against a Texas Tech team, but I'm not going to underestimate Texas Tech in this game because for some reason their offense will find you know, just a random day where they're like, okay, we're just going to throw 400 yards on you and just absolutely dominate. So give me TCU in this matchup, but I do think it'll be a really good game and potentially even a shootout, but I do expect the Horn Frogs to remain perfect after this game. So, <clears throat> but anyway, guys, the next game that we're going to be talking about, and this game will be at 11 a.m. Central Time on ABC, as we have our first Big Ten matchup of the weekend, as we have the second-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes traveling over to Northwestern to take on the Northwestern Wildcats, and well. We can all, I mean, I can already tell y'all who's going to win this game, Ohio State. There's no chance in hell, excuse my French, there's no chance in hell that Northwestern will win this game. Northwestern, their 1-7 only win was against Nebraska back when they played them in Ireland. They just are horrifically bad. Their defense is horrific. Offense can't get any type of ports to save, any type of points to save their life. And then Ohio State, you know, coming off a really strong fourth quarter against the Penn State Nittany Lions last week. Travion Henderson looked really good. C.J. Stroud started to make a lot of improvements in the second half. And then the defense, uh, J.T., who was the number one overall player in the 2021 class, he had one of the best defensive days that we've ever seen in college football history. He had two sacks, two interceptions, one forced fumble. I mean, he had literally, when you look at his stat line and it, you have all those little categories, he had at least one of each. I mean, he balled out against the Nittany Lions. And the fact they're going up against Northwestern, this should not be a problem at all for Ohio State. So give me Ohio State to have a huge day over Northwestern. And what's weird enough is the line for this game, so the over-under, or not over-under, the, uh, the spread for this game is 36 and a half. So minus 36 and a half for OSU. It's a really high, it's a really high, uh, really high line. But I just think C.J. Stroud, Emeka Egbuka, Jackson Smith, and Jigba are supposed to be back in this game who had an amazing year last year with the Buckeyes. I, and then don't even forget Marvin Harrison Jr., who balled out, had over 150 receiving yards against Penn State last week. I think Ohio State, they'll have a pretty solid day against Northwestern, and I do expect them to get over or at least win by way over than 36 points. So give me the Buckeyes over the Northwestern Wildcats. Now, guys, for our next game, we're going to go back over to the ACC at 11 a.m. Central Time on the ACC Network. We have the 17th-ranked North Carolina Tar Heels who are coming off a really strong second-half showing against the Pitt Panthers last week, taking on the Virginia Cavaliers, who just continue to struggle. Virginia, who lost one of the worst college football games I've ever seen against Miami, where they went to four overtimes, and you're thinking, oh, a lot of points and everything, right? Yeah, no, they, there was no touchdown scored in this game at all. It was literally a battle of the kickers as they lost 14-12 to to Miami. So I definitely am going to take North Carolina in this game. Drake May, who balled out in the second half, threw for over 380 passing yards, five touchdowns. 
I mean, he got Josh Downs back in the game as well, who I think is a really underrated wide receiver in all of college football. The biggest concern has got to be, obviously, North Carolina's defense because Israel Abanacanda, the star running back for Pitt, he, I think he had over about 150 rushing yards against North Carolina last week. So still something to kind of be worried about. But I think if Drake May and the Tar Heel offense are able to get things going, this should be a breeze for the Tar Heels. So give me North Carolina over the Virginia Cavaliers. Now, guys, for our next game at 11 a.m. Central Time on ESPNU, we're going to go over to the American Conference as we have the 19th-ranked Tulane Green Wave taking on the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Not too much to say. I mean, I think Tulane, who's kind of been a shock this year, you know, they had a win against Kansas State up in Manhattan early on in the year where they beat them 17-10. to You know, their only loss came to Southern Miss, which, once again, I think was kind of like a fluke game. But overall, they've been very dominant these past few weeks, beating a really good Eastern Carolina team who just went into Provo and beat Utah last week. They beat Memphis last week. I think this will be a really good matchup before they face UCF uh, the next week. But overall, I think Tulane should definitely get things taken care of over a pretty, pretty weak, in my opinion, Tulsa team. So give me the green wave over Tulsa by a decent amount. The line is seven. I think Tulane, they should be able to beat them by more than seven. So give me the green wave in this matchup. Now, guys, for our next game, we do have a decent amount of noon games that are actually pretty solid matchups. At 11 a.m. Central Time on the SEC Network, we have the now unranked Kentucky Wildcats who are coming off a just offensively really disappointing show out against uh, Tennessee last week. You know, Hendon Hooker, Jalen Hyatt, they absolutely ran over this defense. Now they're going into Columbia to take on the Missouri Tigers, who are coming off a really dominant win against Spencer Rattler and the South Carolina Gamecocks last week over in Columbia, South Carolina. Now this game this week will be played in Columbia, Missouri. I really like what Brady Cook and all them did last week against South Carolina. You know, just being able to continue being able to contain Spencer Rattler and kind of prevent their offense from running all over him was huge. Because, I mean, Memphis, or Missouri, they do have a pretty underrated defense, in my opinion. They're not anything, you know, fantastic or marvelous or whatever you want to call it. But they are a really solid team. And nothing against Kentucky, but Will Love is just struggling through three interceptions last week against Tennessee. Chris Rodriguez only had about 70 rushing yards. He did get a touchdown, but they weren't really able to get him going in the run game. But in my opinion, at least... I think the fact that this will be played up in Columbia is a huge factor. Nothing against Kentucky, but I do expect Missouri to be able to win this game, especially because it's going to be played at home. And we saw what they did to Georgia when Georgia came into Columbia a few weeks ago. So give me the Missouri Tigers over the Kentucky Wildcats. As Kentucky, they continue to slide a little bit before they'll get back into the win column. So... Now, guys, for our next game at 11 a.m. Central Time on ESPN, we have Anthony Richardson and the Florida Gators traveling to College Station to take on uh, the now starting quarterback and freshman quarterback, Connor Wigman, and the Texas A&M Aggies. Now, for Texas A&M, despite losing to Ole Miss last week and what was a heartbreaking loss, there were a lot of signs or a lot of really good signs of just growth in this team right offensively especially Evan Stewart who balled out Moose Muhammad and then Connor Wigman who came in for the injured Haynes King he had I mean his first career start that was brilliant playing I mean 300 plus uh 300 plus throwing yards he had I think three touchdowns on the day didn't throw an interception I mean he balled out against Ole Miss who does have a really good defense I mean by no means is Ole Miss have one of the best defenses in the country, but they do have a decently solid defense. And the fact that, you know, for a team that had statistically one of the worst offenses this year and the fact that they kind of got a new jolt of energy, that was really a good sign for a lot of Aggie fans. And now they're going up against a Florida team that, 
you know, offensively just can't get things really going because outside of Anthony Richardson, who pretty much has to be the running back for this team, the quarterback for this team, hell, if he was able to throw the football to himself, he'd have to be the wide receiver of this team. And, you know, there's a lot of struggles on the offensive line. So right now the Florida team, they're just not really able to get things going. And I think also the defense of Florida, they're going to have a really hard time containing guys like Devon A-Chain, Evan Stewart, Moose Muhammad, and then Connor Wigman, who looked absolutely fantastic in his first career start. So give me the struggling Texas A&M Aggies to get a win in this game. But I do think it'll be a close one. I'm not going to count Florida out of this game, but I just think overall being in that atmosphere at Kyle Field, I think the Aggies should be able to win this game. So give me Texas A&M over Florida. And then now, guys, for the next game that we have at 11 a.m. Central Time on ESPN2, we have the Minnesota Golden Gophers taking on Casey Thompson and the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And all I'm going to say is we saw what Chase Brown, Illinois star running back, did against Nebraska last week. And the fact of the matter is that Minnesota, who has a star running back of their own, and Mo Ibrahim, who had a field day last week against Rutgers in which he ran for over 150 rushing yards and three touchdowns, yeah, I don't really need to say too much because Nebraska has one of the worst pass rush defenses in all of the country. So give me Minnesota huge over the Cornhuskers up in Lincoln. Now, guys, we're going to go over to our uh, to our midday slate of games. So we're, we're wrapping things up with our noon. We're going to go over to our midday slate of games. And the first game that I want to talk about to kick things off is going to be at 2 p.m. Central Time on the Big 12 ESPN Plus thingamabarber, how they have their own little thing on ESPN Plus, as we have the Baylor Bears taking on the Oklahoma Sooners. And I think this will be a really underrated matchup. I mean, Baylor, they went into Lubbock last week and dominated that Texas Tech Red Raider team. I think the defense deserves a lot of credit for what they were able to do against a Texas Tech team that, you know, had done really good against Oklahoma State. Uh, you know, they've just been overall pretty solid. Obviously, they upset Texas early on in the season when Texas came into Lubbock. So, really good game by the uh, Bears last week. And then for Oklahoma, their defense really stepped up last week against Iowa State. And I know Iowa State... They don't have what you would consider a good offense by any means. I mean, they have weapons. Got like guys like Jalen Noel. You got Xavier Hutchinson, a wide receiver. But outside of that, you know, they don't have that same type of fear factor that they did when they had guys like Brees Hall. You also had Brock Purdy. So going into this game, personally, Dylan Gabriel and you know, obviously Dylan Gabriel, Eric Gray. Theo Weiss, if he's available in this game, and just Marvin Mims, especially, who's kind of had a down year. All of these guys are going to need to step up in this game. But I do think the fact that it's going to be played up in Norman and nothing against Baylor, but I do think that this Oklahoma team is a lot more solid than Texas Tech just due to the sheer depth and talent that they have. So give me Oklahoma over the Baylor Bears in a really, and I mean really close game. But I do think Oklahoma, they should be able to get the W in this matchup. So... But anyway, guys, the next game that we're going to talk about, and arguably what is being considered now the game of the century, and at 2.30 p.m. Central Time on CBS, we have the number two ranked Tennessee Volunteers traveling down to Athens, Georgia, to take on the number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs. And for me personally, I feel like those rankings should be flipped. I think Tennessee, they should be at number one, and then Georgia at number two. Nothing against Georgia, but just the way Tennessee has been dominant on defense and on offense overall, I think they deserve to be in that position. And nothing against Stetson Bennett, but he is kind of a wild card when it comes to what Stetson Bennett you'll get because some weeks you'll get, you know, 350 passing yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, and then other weeks you'll get you'll get 250 yards passing with two touchdowns and then two interceptions. So kind of a wild card toss up there. But for Tennessee, biggest story is going to be that electric offense that they have with Heisman hopeful. And in my opinion right now, the leading candidate for the Heisman Trophy, Hendon Hooker. And then 
arguably the best wide receiver in all of college football right now. Jalen Hyatt, who already has, I think, 14 receiving touchdowns on the year, which is a school record for Tennessee in a season. And the Vols, they're just rolling right now. They're looking really solid. I don't really think a team can stop them. I know Georgia has a really good defense, but... Obviously, playing down there in Athens, it's a different type of dog. It's a different type of environment. You know, Georgia offensively, they have a ton of weapons. Brock Bowers, who's going to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft next year. They got Darnell Washington, who's a just freak of nature. They have a solid running back room. Stetson Bennett, who has probably as much experience as anybody in the nation, probably more than some coaches in college football. I think this will be a close game, but the fact that the line right now is currently minus 9 to Georgia I think is a little bit ridiculous because I don't think Georgia is going to be able to beat this Tennessee team by 9. And personally for me, I don't think Georgia is going to be able to stop Hendon Hooker and just the explosive throwing game that the uh, Volunteers have. So give me Tennessee to go down to Georgia and upset the Bulldogs. I do think it will be a close game, but I'm sorry. I just don't see Georgia winning this game. And if they do, I mean, hey. Prove me wrong, but I just think Tennessee, the fact of how well they stepped up on defense last week, getting three interceptions off of Will Levis, containing Chris Rodriguez, who's a really good running back. I mean, this Tennessee team right now is literally probably one of the best teams I've seen in a while. So give me Tennessee over Georgia in what is considered to be the matchup of the century. Now, guys, at 2.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN, and this game is just going to be kind of similar to that Ohio State and Northwestern game. We have the 8th-ranked Oregon Ducks, who are coming off a really good win against California last week, obviously led by Bo Nix, who's kind of a dark horse Heisman candidate. I mean, struggled against Georgia week one, kind of looked like the Auburn Bo Nix, but definitely these past few weeks, whether it was against UCLA, BYU, he's looked really good. I mean, he's just balled out. And even the defense for Oregon, which has a ton of studs, Justin Flo, the former five-star linebacker who literally is another freak of nature, kind of similar to uh, Georgia's tight end Darnell Washington. They're going to be traveling down to Boulder to take on the 1-7 Colorado Buffaloes. I, not too much to say about this game. I don't want to disrespect Colorado because, man, you can't. You know when people say there's no reason to beat up on a dead horse, it's already dead. It's kind of like that right now with Colorado. I mean, I just there's no chance. I mean, there's no chance, and I don't mean to jinx it or anything, but there's no chance that Oregon will lose this game. So give me call or give me Oregon over Colorado by a decent amount. The line is 30. I don't know if they'll get 30, but definitely they should win by at least 20 or more. So give me the Ducks over the Buffaloes at 2:30. Now, guys, for our next game at 2:30 p.m. Central Time on the Big Ten Network, we have the Michigan State Spartans who got into a little bit of controversy in themselves last week against Michigan. You know, I mean, they struggled to be able to stop Blake Corum, who arguably is right now currently the best running back in all of college football. He had a field day all over him, but after the game, there was just a brutal, I mean, brutal fight that went down in like the little uh, tunnel that Michigan has where both, you know, both locker rooms split apart where one Michigan player got jumped by like 10 or 15 Michigan State players, and it was just a horrific scene. Y'all can look the video up if y'all want, but man, just not a really good look for Mel Tucker and this Michigan Spartan team, and it also kind of starts to raise a lot of questions of, you know, what is the culture like at Michigan State? Because, I mean, something's not going right. They're probably frustrated, but definitely that's something that could potentially be a, you know, players losing scholarships, players get suspended, and just so much more. And, you know, now for Michigan State, they're going to be traveling out to Champaign, Illinois in this game as they're going to take on the 14th-ranked Illinois Fighting Illini. And, well, 
For Illinois, they have their own version of Blake Corum. They have Chase Brown, who currently leads the whole whole nation in uh, rushing yards with like over a thousand yards rushing. So, I just think Michigan State they're going to get run over, run over majorly in this game by uh, by Chase Brown, and then also add on top of that that you know Illinois they do have a veteran quarterback, Tommy DeVito, who's the former Syracuse quarterback. So, give me the Fighting Illini huge over a really struggling Michigan State team right now. And then now, guys, for our next game at 2.30 p.m. Central Time on ABC. And we're still going right now on our midday slate. I don't want y'all to be confused. We're still on our midday slate. Like, we have so many matchups here on Saturday as we have the 16th-ranked Penn State Nittany Lions going out to Bloomington, Indiana to take on the Indiana Hoosiers. Now, for me personally, I think Penn State, they have arguably one of the top wide receivers in the country and Parker Washington, who put up his own really solid Marvin Harrison Jr. type of game yesterday against the Buckeyes. I think it was like 150-plus receiving yards. He had three touchdowns on the day. He balled out and definitely is going to be an intriguing NFL prospect. Sean Clifford, who struggled a lot when it came in terms of just decision-making, you know, putting his players putting his teammates in certain positions and everything like that but the defense of Penn State was really good I mean until really the fourth quarter when they kind of just fell apart Penn State played really solid defensively against Ohio State Buckeyes and I think they'll go into Indiana and dominate a really struggling Indiana team so give me the Penn State Nittany Lions over the Indiana Hoosiers I'll say probably by at least 10 points so Anyway, guys, the next game that we do have at 2.30 p.m. Central Time on FS1 as we have the 18th-ranked Oklahoma State Cowboys coming off one of the most embarrassing losses that we've seen all season, that 48-0 loss to Kansas State up there in Manhattan. They're going to go back up to Kansas as they take on the Kansas Jayhawks. And don't get don't get it twisted, Kansas. They're still a really good team. I mean, I know we don't, they don't have Jalen Daniels, and they've kind of been struggling these past few weeks, you know, uh, Bean hasn't really looked like himself, but Oklahoma State, they're kind of in that, uh, uh, was it, I'm trying to think of the right like right name, in that certain type of position right now where they're really critical. Like, I mean, I think Kansas, they have a potential to upset Oklahoma State at home, but also at the same time, I don't really know the certainty when it comes to Spencer Sanders, uh, Oklahoma State starting quarterback, who had to leave the game towards the end of the game due to, uh, due to getting banged up a little bit, so... Just depending on who's really the quarterback for Oklahoma State in this game. And another thing that, you know, Kansas State did really well was they shut the run game down for the Cowboys, which they really have been relying on, especially against Texas and TCU, which was really dominant. So I think also, too, Oklahoma State, they're really banged up. And, you know, they're kind of right now at a low morale. I mean, when you get blown out that bad, it's not a good feeling. And But this is a Mike Gundy coach team, and I just think it's going to be hard to pick Kansas over this Oklahoma State team. Nothing against Kansas, but once again, they're banged up for themselves as well. Now, we'll be played up in Lawrence, so you do have to kind of factor that up as well, but nothing against Kansas. I just think Oklahoma State, talent-wise, they should be able to win this game. So give me the Oklahoma State Cowboys to get a bounce-back win and go up to Lawrence and beat what once was a top-25 Jayhawk team. But anyway, guys, the next game that we're going to talk about at 2.30 p.m. Central Time on the ACC Network as we have the 22nd ranked Syracuse Orange taking on the Pitt Panthers over in Pittsburgh. Now this game for me is the trap game of the week. Now why I say that? Because Syracuse, who just got pretty much obliterated in the run game against Notre Dame last week, now they're playing against a team that's going to be relying even more on the run game than Notre Dame did with their star running back for Pitt, Israel Abanacanda, who in case you don't know early on in the year against Virginia Tech, 
had six rushing touchdowns in one game to add on top of that with 350 rushing yards. And Israel right now is arguably a top 10 running back in all of college football. So the fact that Syracuse really poor run defense last week is now going up against a really good run team in Pitt. Man, it's going to be definitely questionable. And then the worst part is for Syracuse, their starting quarterback, Garrett Schrader. I think he got injured. I don't think they took him out of the game, but he got injured in that game against Notre Dame last week. So if they don't have their starting quarterback and then add on top of the fact that Pitt has one of the best run games in all of college football, or I shouldn't say run games, this is one of the best running backs in all of college football, it's going to make for a really interesting matchup. I mean, I just I think also two of the facts can be played in Pitt, the home atmosphere for the Pitt Panthers. I know. You know, week one against West Virginia, that really was a factor in why Pitt won that game. And I just think with Syracuse, they're kind of right now coming off two straight losses. Obviously, one to Clemson and then last week to Notre Dame. So, I'm going to say this is going to be another upset. I'm going to say give me the Pitt Panthers over the Syracuse Orange. But I hope, but I'm telling you, I hope that Syracuse does prove me wrong because I want Syracuse to do really good. I've always kind of liked them. And, I mean, hopefully, I'm you know, hopefully they do end up winning this game. So, but anyway, guys, that'll wrap us up for our uh for our midday slate of games. So now let's get into our evening slate of games. And the first game that we're going to talk about is going to be at 5.30 p.m. Central Time on Pac-12 Network as we have the Arizona Bearcats. And I know last week I kept saying uh, Wildcats, so I apologize for any Arizona fans that are listening as they take on the 12th-ranked Utah Utes. And, well, for Utah, coming off a really interesting win against Washington State last week where uh, – their starting quarterback and longtime starting quarterback Cam Rising, he didn't play the game due to a leg injury. And offensively, they really weren't able to do as much as we've seen. I know Dalton Kincaid, they tried to get him involved a lot, but nothing could really get going. So they would barely beat Washington State. I mean, Utah, they still have a really good defense, and they're going up against the Arizona team that almost beat USC last week. You know, they really couldn't handle their offense, but defense, but uh, not offense. They couldn't really handle USC's offense, but Arizona, they also do have a I would say semi-okay offense, but I think the fact, too, is being played up in Salt Lake City is going to be another factor. So give me the Utah Utes over the Arizona Bearcats. And then now, guys, for the next game that we have at 6 p.m. Central Time on ESPN, we have the 6th-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide traveling down to Baton Rouge to take on the 15th-ranked LSU Tigers. And for me, this is going to be another trap game for the Alabama Crimson Tide. And you're probably wondering, why would that be? Well, LSU, they've been playing really good football these past few weeks. Last week, uh, or not last week, the week before when they played Ole Miss before their bye week, they blew them out at home. I mean, they pretty much eliminated any type of run game that Ole Miss had, which we saw how well Quinshawn Judkins, Zach Evans, and the whole run game of Ole Miss has been this year for the Rebels. And LSU offensively with Jaden Daniels, I mean, he has been a stud these past few weeks. And also, this is going to be a nighttime atmosphere in Death Valley. Alabama is going to be coming into town, so you know the place is going to be packed. I like Bryce Young. I like Alabama. But I just think at the same time, too, Alabama is kind of in a weird state right now where they're like, okay, well, this is a much-needed win, but you got to remember that atmosphere is going to really play into it. It's very similar to how Kyle Field was, and we saw what happened with A&M last year when they played Alabama at home in Kyle Field. So I know Alabama's favored in this game, minus 12. I'm still going to take Alabama in this game, but I also am going to kind of go 50-50 in this where I think that LSU, they probably could potentially pull off an upset if their defense is able to step up and contain Bryce Young, kind of similar to what Texas did early on in the year. So give me Alabama, but I'm also at the same time going to say kind of give me LSU as well because I would not be shocked if I do see an upset by the Tigers. So 
Anyway, guys, the next game that we have at 6 p.m. Central Time on FS1, we have the Texas Longhorns taking on the 13th-ranked Kansas State Wildcats. And for me, I'm just going to outright say it, the weirdest thing is that Texas is favored by one. We saw how Texas did at Oklahoma State. Quinn Ewers struggled to throw the football. Bijan Robinson, he had a field day. I mean, don't get me wrong. Bijan Robinson looked amazing. But the pass game for Texas, which they've kind of really, you know, prided themselves on this season because of how good Quinn Ewers was able to throw the football against Alabama and early on in the season before he got injured. You know, they struggled against Oklahoma State's defense, and we saw how well Kansas State was able to throw the football and obviously with Deuce Vaughn run the football last week against Oklahoma State. And also, too, this game will be played up in Manhattan, so take that into consideration. I like Kansas State. Will Howard, he's looking a lot better. No offense to Adrian Martinez, but Will Howard, he looks a lot more mature than the guy that we saw during the COVID season when he played my TCU Horn Frogs. He's throwing the football really well. He's making a lot of smart decisions. And also the fact, too, when you have a guy like Deuce Vaughn in your backfield, it's really hard to not want to pick Kansas State in this game. And don't even get it twisted. Kansas State has probably the best defense right now in the Big 12 and one of the best in the nation. You know, they're all, their defensive line is absurd. Their secondary is really good. I mean, Kansas State, the fact they're not favored in this game is just a shame. So give me Kansas State over the Texas Longhorns. I don't, I don't think it'll be a blowout, kind of like what we saw with Oklahoma State last week. But I do think Kansas State should be able to pull a win against Texas. So give me the Wildcats over the Longhorns. Now, guys, for our next game we're going to talk about, we're going to go back over to the Big Ten at 6.30 p.m. Central Time on the Big Ten Network as we have the fourth-ranked Michigan Wolverines taking on the, the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. And not too much to say, Blake Corm's a beast. J.J. McCarthy and his offense have looked amazing for Michigan this year. A lot of people are considering this to be one of the best offenses in Michigan history. So give me the Michigan Wolverines huge over the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. And now for one of my personal favorite games of the weekend, outside of obviously Tennessee, Georgia, TCU, Texas Tech, at 6.30 p.m. Central Time on NBC, we have the fifth-ranked Clemson Tigers traveling out to South Bend, Indiana to take on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And for Notre Dame, they're coming off an upset win against Syracuse last week in Syracuse. So now they're going to return home, and they're going to be taking on a Clemson team that, well, struggled really heavily against Syracuse. You know, Syracuse defense was able to contain them really well. You know, for Clemson, DJ Ugalele, he will start this game after having a really rough start against Syracuse a few weeks ago. Uh, Will Shipley, he looked really dominant against uh, really dominant against Syracuse in the second half, running for over 170 rushing yards with two touchdowns. So the run game is something definitely Notre Dame is going to have to factor into this. But also Notre Dame, they do have a really solid defense. You know, a lot of teams throughout the season, and even some of their upset losses that they had. You know, teams like Marshall. You know, almost lost to California, lost to Stanford. You know, a lot of those teams were not really able to run the football on them. I know Marshall, they kind of had a field day. But outside of that, I mean, Notre Dame has a really good defense. And if Drew Pine, you know, as long as he doesn't make any stupid turnovers or mistakes and they really heavily feed the run game for Notre Dame, I could potentially see Notre Dame beating Clemson. I really could see Clemson getting upset by the Fighting Irish. I mean, it really just depends on how DJ Ugalele plays. If he plays like he did when he was a freshman back when Clemson did travel to Notre Dame, I really do think that this could be a super, super close game. I think it will be a close game regardless. But I'm going to say I think Notre Dame, they do upset Clemson. I, I think Clemson will finally get exposed a little bit. They kind of got exposed against Syracuse a few weeks ago before their bye week. But I think this will be the week that we finally see Clemson go down. So give me the Notre Dame fighting Irish over the Clemson Tigers. 
And then now, guys, for our next game that we're going to talk about, and then we're going to go back to the ACC, or, well, we're going to stay in the ACC technically, as at 7 p.m. Central Time on the ACC Network, we have the 20th-ranked 20th, 20th ranked Wake Forest Demon Deacons taking on the 21st-ranked NC State Wild, or NC State Wolfpack. I almost said Wildcats. I'm so sorry, NC State fans. Um, well, for Wake Forest, biggest thing last week was the fact that they had eight, turnal to eight total turnovers on the day. Uh, Sam Hartman struggled immensely, throwing three kind of just head-scratching interceptions. And two of them would go back for pick sixes as well. So that's 14 points just right there. And I don't know what it was, but Wake Forest looked so uncare and just looked so unlike themselves last week against Louisville. I do think that Louisville is a really solid team, but definitely Wake Forest, in my opinion, they're a better overall team. But just you can't be allowing that many mistakes and that many turnovers if you expect to win a game. And now they're going to go up against a pretty solid defense in NC State who was able to contain uh, contain Virginia Tech pretty well. I know the third quarter, Virginia Tech absolutely exploded against NC State last week. But NC State was able to get things going and kind of clamp down on Virginia Tech. So this game is kind of interesting to me. I like Wake Forest. I like Sam Hartman. I really do. But also the fact it's going to be played at Carter-Finley Stadium up there in Raleigh. It's really hard for me to pick against the, the Wolfpack. But in this game, I know, obviously, they don't have Devin Leary, which I almost forgot a little bit about. You know, NC State, they don't have their starting quarterback for the rest of the year. So give me Wake Forest to finally get a, a good rebound win. I mean, if Devin Leary was playing this game, I probably would say the probably would say NC State. But I just think Wake Forest, they're going to be kind of pissed. They're going to be wanting able to re, they're gonna want to be able to rebound from last week's loss. So give me Wake Forest over the Wolfpack of NC State. And then, guys, for our final two games that we're going to talk about at 8.30 p.m. Central Time on FS1, we have the 10th-ranked UCLA Bruins taking on the Arizona State Arizona State uh, Sun Devils. I don't know why I said Cardinals. I'm telling you guys, this NFL stuff gets to me sometimes. But anyway, UCLA, they'll be taking on a pretty weak Arizona State team. UCLA, they took business last. They took care of business last week against Stanford, ran the ball pretty well with Zach Charbonnet. Dorian Thompson-Robinson had a really good passing game as well. So give me the Bruins pretty big over the Arizona State Sun Devils. And then for the final game that we're going to talk about here on Week 10, at 9.30 p.m. Central Time on ESPN, we have the Cal Golden Bears taking on the ninth-ranked USC Trojans. And, well... Not too much to say. Jack Plummer looked really bad last week against Oregon. Just threw a kind of a lot of boneheaded passes. And then for USC, you know, they're coming off, I think, a really good offensive week where Caleb Williams threw for 350-plus passing yards, five touchdown passes. And that's just putting into and that's just putting into factors as well that he didn't even have uh, Jordan Addison, the 2021 Belenikoff winner. So I just think there should, no, there should be no struggles for this USC team in this game. So give me the Trojans big over California as we wrap up week 10 of the 2022 college football season. So, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. And let me know what y'all's personal favorite game is going to be this weekend. Mine, and I think a lot of America's, is probably going to end up being that Tennessee and Georgia game just due to the fact that we have two of the best teams in all of the nation. I mean, they literally are the two best teams in the nation. You got Hendon Hooker, who's literally this close to winning a Heisman Trophy. They have one of the best wide receivers in Jalen Hyatt. And then on the flip side for Georgia, they have one of the better defenses in all of the country, not even just in the ACC. So it should be a really entertaining matchup to kick off Week 10. So, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's preview episode of Week 10. 
please make sure to like, comment, rate, share. Do whatever you can to make sure that we continue to spread the uh, the Cover 7 podcast with everybody out there. And, guys, once again, thank you all so much. And also make sure to check out the NFL Week 9 preview episode that came out earlier today at 12 p.m. Central Time. That one was a really good episode as well. So, guys, thank you all so much for all that you all do. Thank you all for all the support that you all do show. And I will see you all here back on Sunday as we recap all of the action from week 10 of the 2022 college football season. So see you guys then. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you all later. Peace.